Uh, Let me begin with a word of prayer. Would you join me in that? Lord God, we come before you um, now to worship you in word. And Lord, without your spirit speaking, without um, without your breath within us, Lord, these words will just simply fall. But Lord, you promise that these words, accompanied by the Holy Spirit, will bear fruit. They'll grow in us. They'll strengthen us, nourish us, change us. So Lord, we pray that your word would have its way. We pray this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. We have all certainly heard, and my guess is many of us have used the phrase, I'll believe it when I see it. It's said in something, uh, uh, response to some promise or some statement that we have some skepticism, some doubt about. Uh, For instance, um, mom, I clean my room. (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll see it when I believe it. I fixed all your computer problems this time. Mm -hmm. See it when I believe it. I promise not to forget our anniversary this year. Mm Mm-hmm. I'll see it when I believe it. Or this one that could come really from the scriptures, Jesus Christ is the Messiah and God's gift of salvation to us. Well, I'll see it when I believe it. But our passage this morning would add to those words, not always. Not always do we believe when we see it. That comes right out of our study this morning from the Gospel of John, and we've reached chapter 12, which I shared with you is a pivotal chapter uh, in John's gospel. Jesus moves his ministry uh, from an outward public ministry into an inside one with these words. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. He was no longer available to the crowd. He pulled away and he pulled back in order to focus on ministry to his disciples. He does this on the heels of his triumphant entry in Jerusalem. He reached the peak of his popularity in that event. And then a group of Gentiles came and asked to meet with him, which set Jesus off saying and declaring that his ministry was near ending, that the time had come to shift the ministry and the message really to the world and not just the house of Israel. He says this in verse 32 of John chapter 12. But I, when I am lifted from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Now, he said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. Well, we've heard from the law that the Christ will remain forever. So how can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is then the Son of Man? Then Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man or the person who walks in the dark does not know where he or she is going. So put your trust in the light while you have it, so that you may become children of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. Even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, Lord, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason, they could not believe because, as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and deadened their hearts so they could neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn. And so I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory 
and spoke about him. As Jesus then begins to turn inside, John ends his, the public ministry with a statement. Um, it, it's the um, literary equivalent of shaking your head in disbelief at the disbelief that Jesus was met by the crowds. And he makes several observations about their disbelief. He makes several observations about their disbelief. And the first observation he makes about their disbelief is that seeing doesn't always lead to faith. Seeing doesn't always lead to believing. Look at what John says in verse 37. He says, even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. And notice what he calls the miracles. He calls them signs. Signs. What do signs do? Think about that. What does a sign do? It directs you, right? It points to something that you need to be aware of. It warns us, instructs us, directs us. John calls the miracles signs because they point to Jesus. They point to something that he's doing or who he is. If you were to put it crassly, I'm going to do that, (laughs) Um, you could say that the miracles were the Trinity's marketing strategy for Jesus' ministry, right? Right? It put the spotlight on him. The miracles are the marketing strategy of the Trinity to put the spotlight on Jesus. Just as the angel announced the birth of Christ and caught the attention of the shepherds, so Jesus' miracles catch the attention of the people. They're his credentials. They're his authority. They're the spotlight on Jesus, pointing to him that God is doing something unique, something powerful in them. And so you could say that the strategy of the pre-resurrection church, the ministry of the disciples, the ministry of Jesus, was see and believe. See and believe. See what I do. See what I can do. See what I teach. Watch me, and you'll see God's hand, and you'll hear God's voice. See and believe. Now, that starts to change post-resurrection. In fact, it starts to change with Jesus' own disciples. One of them, Thomas, uh, really doubted the message that Jesus Christ had been resurrected. He was hiding out with the rest of the disciples in the upper room when Jesus appeared And went to Thomas, and Thomas, he said, Thomas, I've heard that you don't believe I'm alive. Well, then touch my scars. Touch touch me. See that I'm real. And then he says this to Thomas. He said, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. In the early church, that focus of seeing and believe will become changed. The focus will not be on the miracles, it will be on the message. And more and more, the church moves toward the message than the miracles. The post-resurrection ministry then becomes believe and you will see. Believe and you will see. Less emphasis on the miracles, they pointed to Jesus and now the attention is on the message of Jesus Christ. Now that's not to say that seeing isn't an important part Um, of our witness. Being able to see the transformation that Jesus makes in a person's life is important to our witness. 
being able to see a, a person uh, change and grow and be transformed by the power of Jesus Christ is an important part of our witness. We see Christ work in us when we live out the fruit of the Spirit. People see that because they feel that we're doing something different, almost counterculture. Those are God's miracles today. Who would not doubt the miracle of a believer forgiving an abuser? Who would doubt the transformation of someone seething in anger and hurt over their life and turning to a life of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control? Seeing is an important part of our witness. But as believers, sometimes we get hung up on that because sometimes we don't see. We don't see what God is doing. You ever felt that way about your prayers? Ever felt like, man, I pray and I pray and I pray and I don't see anything different? Ever felt that way about where God is working? You just don't see him. Every day just feels and looks like the same one that was before. And the days just kind of roll on all the same. And you think, where's God? Where's God? A couple of years ago, my family bought a, a white Volvo sedan. Uh, and my good friend said to me, you know, white is one of the most popular colors of cars on the road today. He's a car guy. I should have believed him, but I didn't. I don't remember seeing white cars on the road. I don't think it's any more uh, popular color than anything. I don't think, I don't think you know what you're talking about. So I thought, okay, fine, I'll prove him wrong, you know? I started looking. And you know what? They're everywhere. They're everywhere. Now, it wasn't quite like this. It felt like this. It, it was more like this. As I started to notice cars around me on the road, and I thought, where'd they all come from? Where'd they all come from? Well, they were always there. I just didn't believe that white was the most popular color of car on the road today. When I believed that, I saw it. I saw it. I'd missed it before. And that got me thinking about our praying and about our expectations of God. If we believe God answers prayer, we will see them. If we believe that God is at work today in our world and in our life, we will see it. The moment we start believing that, it changes how we see things. That coincidence, that mistake, that, oh, I forgot that and ended up here, and how did I get from here to there? All those little things that we miss throughout the day, all those things that we pray for, we often miss the, the nuanced change in someone, the questions they started asking. We miss seeing God work. Believe and you'll see it. Believe God is at work and you'll start seeing and recognizing where God is at work. Believe he answers your prayer and you'll start seeing where he does just that. John points out in disbelief of their disbelief that seeing isn't always believing. Believe and you will see. The second aspect or observation he makes about their disbelief 
is one that might surprise you, and that is that Jesus himself may be the cause of disbelief. Uh, you probably have never thought about that, have you? How can Jesus, who is the, the center of our faith, right? How can he cause disbelief in someone? Well, look at what Jesus said in verse 32 as he's announcing this change of focus and his uh, ministry coming to an end imminently. And he said, but when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. John observes, he said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. Now look at the crowd's response to that. The crowd spoke up. Well, we have heard from the law that the Christ will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who then is the Son of Man? If, if the Son of Man is not the Messiah, then who is he? And who are you? If you say you are the Son of Man, if you say you are the Messiah, how is it you will die? Now the interesting thing is that there's nowhere in the law that says that the Messiah will not suffer or that the Messiah will not die. There's nowhere in the scriptures that it says that. In fact, almost all the opposite is true. Isaiah 53, which John will quote in a little bit, says that by his stripes, by his wounds, we are healed. That the Messiah will suffer for us. But in their mind, because of a preconceived idea about the Messiah, that the Messiah would come and establish his kingdom and reign forever. In their mind, Jesus then could not be the Messiah. In fact, Orthodox Jews today use that as the proof that Jesus wasn't the Messiah. If you ask an Orthodox Jew today, are you waiting for the Messiah? They say, yes, we are. How will you know when the Messiah comes? Because he will establish the kingdom of Israel on this earth, and he won't die. And so every rabbi that makes any sort of claim of being the Messiah, they wait and see. If he dies, he's not the Messiah. Could Jesus be the Messiah? No, of course not. He died. That conception of the Messiah has blinded the people of Israel since the first century and before. And the amazing thing about them is that here is Jesus right in front of them, right? And they have this conception, this preconception of, of who he should be. And instead of changing what they think in the literal light of reality, they ask reality to change for their preconceptions. Does that sound like something we do today? Right? We don't want to deal with reality. We want to deal with what we think reality is. They were asking Jesus to change, to fit their preconception. How did Jesus blind them? Well, look at what he says in Isaiah. John says that for this reason, they could not believe. Because as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and deadened their hearts so that they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn or, or and I then would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Now, first off, let me just say and make this very clear that God does not blind the seeing person. The person who sees in faith is not blinded. God does not intentionally blind people so they can't see. He lets the blind be blind. 
He lets them live with their choice. God doesn't harden the softened heart. He lets the hardened heart be hard. If they were softened, he would heal them and he would show them. But they choose not to, so he lets them be. As as Paul said, God gives them over to their sin. God gives them over to their blindness. It's not something he causes. And second of all, look again at John's quote of Isaiah. All right? So this is the original from Isaiah chapter 6, verse 10. Make the hearts of this people calloused, make their ears dull, and close their eyes. That's the original from Isaiah 6.10. This is John's uh, translation of it. He has blinded their eyes and deadened their hearts. Now he reverses the order. So instead of their um, hearts first, he talks about their eyes first. Okay? He's blinded their eyes and deadened their hearts. But the, the interesting thing that John does is he adds a word. Did you see the word? most significant word that John adds, he. It's not in Isaiah. He adds the word he. Why does he do that? Because as John says in verse 41, he said, Isaiah said this because he saw who? Jesus. He saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. So John puts in the word he because he knew that Isaiah was speaking about Jesus. And so what he's saying is he, Jesus, has blinded their eyes and deadened their hearts. How does Jesus do that? When people look at Jesus and he doesn't fit their idea of God. When people look at Jesus and say, you know, I don't think God would do it that way. Jesus, who he is, blinds people. They look at him as a man. They look at him as a a religious teacher. They look at him uh, as a fanatic. They look at him as a myth. They look at him as a madman. How are they look at them? When they don't look at Jesus the right way, they're blinded because Jesus doesn't fit their preconceived ideas of who God is or what God should do. Does that make sense? You get that? That's how Jesus blinds people. Well, I don't think God would do it that way. Well, if I were to do it, I wouldn't, you know. It's like, wait, you're trying to instruct God? Right? You're, you're trying to come up with a better plan than God came up with. And you're rejecting Jesus because he doesn't fit your box, your idea, your agenda, what he should or shouldn't do in your life. That's right? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, exactly. Jesus blinds people that way. That's why Paul said, Jesus Christ crucified is a stumbling block to the Jews because they could not conceive of a suffering Messiah. He's a stumbling block to the Gentiles because it's just not their idea of what God would do. God gave me this thought this week. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, right? Each and every one of us is to bear a cross. Some of us bear more than one. But conversion has a cost to it. Every one of us who believes in Jesus Christ carries some cross. Some of us carry more than one. And this is what God spoke to me about. He said, for some people, the cross they carry is not having 
all the answers. Some people just have to have all the answers. They want to see how everything fits together. And if they can't see that, they struggle to believe. If they can't see how God's grace and God's holiness are perfectly balanced, if they can't understand that balance, they have trouble believing. If they can't understand God's love and God's justice and how they're held perfect in balance, if they can't understand human free will and God's sovereignty and how they perfectly enmesh, if some people can't understand that, they have trouble believing. And that's their cross. The believer that wants to know it all, the believer that struggles with the mysteries of God, the believer that, that says, I don't understand, their cross is just that. They won't fully understand this side of heaven. That's their cross. And some of us carry that cross. In fact, that, for some people, keeps them from believing. You're never going to figure it all out. Never going to figure it all out. And for some people, they just they can't get past that. They can't get past Jesus. They can't get past how God did it, how God does it. And Jesus says, believe, let that be your cross. Does that make sense? So what does that look like in terms of this crowd? What would it look like if they had chosen to bear that cross and believe? They would have said to Jesus, wow, you, you, wait, you're telling us that the Messiah will suffer? Yep. You're telling us the Messiah is going to die for his people? Yes. And that your death will bring everyone to the Father? Yes. Wow. We didn't see that coming. But everything we've heard, everything we've seen in you, well, we believe. And we trust that even though we can't see it and we can't fully understand it, someday we will. So, Jesus, we believe. That is how the crowd should have responded. Instead, as John points out, they saw, they saw the signs, but it didn't lead to faith because Jesus was a cause of their disbelief. So let me encourage you this morning. Believe, and you'll see it. God answers prayer. It may not be exactly how you paint it in your prayers, but God answers prayers. Believe that and start looking for those answers. God is at work. God is at work in your life. He's at work in the people around you. We just aren't seeing it. Believe and you will see it. And don't let your questions become that stumbling block. It's okay to question. It's okay to say, I don't get it. 
as long as we also say, Lord Jesus, I trust you. You are who you are. And I don't want you to change. I want to change. I want to be changed. I trust who you are. And I believe. And pray, it's never said of us that even after Jesus had done so many things in their lives, they still would not believe in him. May that not be true of Centerpoint. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we uh, often feel like the man who cried out, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. Help me in my questions. Help me in my blindness. Help me in those ways that I have been dulled by my world. Help me to believe, and I will see it. You are at work in this world, and there's so many times that we've missed that. Forgive us for that. Lord, help us to worship and honor and glorify Jesus as he is to us in the scriptures. Not as some made-up person that, that fits our ideas. Lord, we bow to who he is and pray that you would change our perceptions to fit the reality of Jesus Christ. Lord, We believe, even where we don't. We pray this in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen.